With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seriously There will be no technology
What exactly is a typhoon? You know, Joe, I think you're going to find out. Are you ready? Because it's time. The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour is on the air. Featuring the jack of all trades and master of none, Joel. Does anyone else smell fried chicken? Couldn't have picked a shorter podcast name. That's like a mouthful right there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, episode 207. I am your host, Joel, and I think all the audio issues are fixed. It just was a matter of me hitting the restore all default um, after I sent a note to Justin to say, hey, any thoughts on this? I hit the button and poof, we go back to where we were. So I don't know what happened to get it to that point to begin with, but problem solved. So anyway. Welcome. It's good to have you back again. If you're not familiar with this show, um, sorry, I had to pause it there for a second to talk to Lucy. Um, then you can find me on Facebook.com. Just look up the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour. That's K-P-A-N-T-S. You can also shoot me an email at joelhappypants at gmail.com or find me occasionally on Twitter at joelhappypants. Uh, the show is available every other week through iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Pod Directory, Google Podcasts, and PodcastCollective.com. Uh, you can also check out my other shows, 40 Going on 14, which is available at 40go14.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Blueberry, streaming Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio, as well as you can uh, find us on Google Podcasts and PodcastCollective.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just look up 40 Going on 14. Send us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com or a voicemail at 708, now wrap, that's 708-669-9727, or on Twitter at 40go14. Also, check out the Coffin Joe cast with Killa Wilba and myself. And if you'd like to be a third co-host on that show, you're always welcome. You can find that on iTunes, TalkSue, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and PodcastCollective.com. Also, send us an email at CoffinJoeCast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, the Coffin Joe cast. Or send us a voicemail at 661-434-5956. That's 661-434-KWJO. And um, if you have a little free time and are into horror movies and please go check out my blog at creepercast01.blogspot.com uh, there you can find readings readings reviews um various and sundry things all about horror as put together by myself justin justin good the lord and sweet baby jesus i am having a hard time today because lucy is making noise in the background uh playing with the ball by herself and it's distracting so uh, either will jeff or myself you can find our writings reviews and whatnot at creepercast uh so go check that out also all the music tonight is provided to us by the artists themselves if you like what you hear uh please buy it directly from the artist or in this case from american laundromat records and i apologize she has gone nuts um and what else oh my blog momentary lapse with joel.blogspot.com that is the first site that it is available that is updated as soon as the show is available. And um, you can also check out my defunct comic strip, Gregory the Really Angry Robot, which is available through Facebook. Just look up Gregory the Really Angry Robot. And I keep saying there's 100 issues there, but there's actually about 120 now that I think about it. Um, I realized that the other day and and that I, I think I've been saying the wrong thing for the past several months. So anyway, you can uh, check it out. It's no longer being made, but 
all the old issues are there. Uh, so this week, we are doing a featured artist show hot on the heels of a previously featured artist show. Um, again, another follow-up artist that's been featured before, but uh, with the release of the brand new album Pussycat this week, I um, have just fallen in love with this record, and so I felt like I wanted to share some of it with you, and there's a whole lot more on there than what I'm sharing on the show, but um, it gives you a good taste of what the record is like, and if you like what you hear, you can go purchase it, like I said, through American Laundromat Records or uh, get it through um, any of your local independent record stores. We always want to support local business. And if you're in uh, Oak Park, Illinois, on Harrison Avenue, stop by Val's Hollow Records. Tell her Joel sent you and uh, see if she has a copy in stock since he knows how much I love Juliana Hatfield. So anyway, uh, the first song we heard tonight was I Want to Be Your Disease by Juliana Hatfield off of Pussycat. The next song we're going to hear is called Impossible Song. Now, these are in order of uh, where they fall on the record. Now, they're not back to back in terms of where they are on the record themselves. But uh, they are in chronological order based on how they appear on the record from first to last. So, um, all right. After we get through, we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the show. And uh, hopefully by then Lucy will have settled down. So we'll be back in just a few. You think
All right. And we are back. That was Impossible Song by Julian Hetfield, as my USB keeps popping in and out. And uh, I don't know if I remember. <laughs> I don't know if I said the first track. Gosh, I'm all out of sorts. Uh, I Want to Be Your Disease uh, was the first song we heard before the intro. So um, it's going to be that kind of show, kids. I'm, I'm really, really out of sorts in more than one way. So I apologize up front if things are a little disjointed it's just the way it is plus lucy playing in the background is making it even more so as you can hear all right so the first thing i wanted to talk about this week was well i mean i've already talked about julianne hatfield talked about the blake babies uh, i've even talked about some girls and i think i've done a show for each one of them now uh oh no i guess i haven't done a blake baby show but eventually i will i know i played them on uh, 40 going on 14 to much disapproval from the guys which uh there's no accounting for taste but anyway with the release of this new record um juliana had kind of felt like there's some well i've read some articles and she kind of gotten to the point where she felt like she didn't really have anything more to say and she was going to take a break and go on hiatus and kind of regroup and decide you know what she wanted to do as far as continuing to make music because She's been doing it since the uh, the late 80s, middle to late 80s, and just, you know, kind of felt like she had done all she could do, said all she could say, and there wasn't really much more uh, to do at this time. So she was going to take a break. Well, a certain uh, president got elected, took office, and then a just a plethora of songs just came pouring out. She went into the studio, recorded the album in two weeks' time, played everything except the drums, and two weeks uh, later... The result is Pussycat, which she, um, I, I hadn't even heard about that it was a thing. I mean, I follow her on Instagram, and so I'd seen that she was in the studio and was, you know, playing music, but she doesn't really post much thoughts on there. She just posts pictures of things that she's doing. And her um, regular page, her like homepage for julianhatfield.com, hasn't been updated in quite a while. And her Facebook page is you know, more of a fan site than anything. So it's like there wasn't a lot of uh, feedback or input as far as what was happening. Well, I happened to notice on my Juliana, my daughter's um, Facebook feed, that uh, since she's a member of the Julian Hatfield group, there was a, a picture of a that I hadn't seen before of, of looked like an album cover that I was not familiar with. And having been a fan of hers and listening to her since about 1993, I've got everything that's available. I've listened to everything um, that is out there that, that you can basically get your hands on in whatever format it is. And so I was like, what is that? I don't know what that is. So I, as soon as I was able to uh, get on my phone and checked, I went and looked and lo and behold, there's a new album being released. Now this was back in February. So in February, I see that this album is not coming out until April, end of April, the 26th, no 27th and no 28th. I don't know. It was the end of April. So uh, I immediately went to American Laundromat Records, which was the label that was going to be releasing it because Julianne Hatfield has her own uh, label called Yield Records. Uh, she's been on Rounder, well, a subsidiary of Rounder called Zoe Records. She's been on Atlantic. She's been on um, her own independent things on and off. So she's been on a lot of different labels. So I went to American Laund Laundromat's site, immediately ordered the record, and waited patiently for the album to come. And Thursday, uh, at a point when I really needed something positive, uh, the album came in the mail, and I was ecstatic. And upon the first listen, 
I was immediately in love and have since listened to it many times over. I purchased a copy and sent it to my mom as a, a kind of a gift. And it's just been a kind of a, an amazing record. And anytime you have something that you're passionate about that you throw yourself into and comes out uh, organically, it tends to be something that is better. Um, it has more to it because it's something that uh, you're passionate about. And this is what happened here. She's very passionate about, um, you know, what's going on in Washington right now. And um, as are a lot of people, it's a very polarizing kind of thing. And that's kind of the uh, the point I wanted to take with this segment is there's one thing you don't talk about in polite circles with friends or family members in the most part, and that is uh, religion and politics. And the reason being is that both of those subject matters are very, very uh personal types of things where if you differ from somebody in their beliefs, whether you believe in God or you don't, whether you're a Catholic, a, a Lutheran, a Jew, a, a Gentile, an atheist, a Satanist, um, whether you are a Republican or a Democrat, a Libertarian, a Green Party, whatever it is, whether you believe in the monarchy or prime ministers or, I don't know, whatever other segments of, of politics and religions there are, then you're going to be very, very involved and passionate about that particular branch or uh what's the word i'm looking for segment i don't know and so when you bring that up you can tend to cause this not just like a disagreement where you don't want to go to to red robin you'd rather go to culver's it becomes a much more deeper rooted sort of feeling of animosity or dislike or hatred or love or whatever it is because it's something that is completely personal to you and religion being probably the, I would say the stronger of the two, because if you're raised in a certain religion or you believe a certain way and somebody else believes differently, part of the foundation of, of religion is, you know, kind of missionary work and um, kind of spreading the gospel of that particular religion. So if you run into somebody that doesn't believe or wants to, you know, sway you to their way of thinking, then you know, you kind of feel like it's a personal attack on you because this is this is who you are. This is what you believe. This is what your faith is. This is what's going to get you to, you know, heaven or Valhalla or wherever it is you're going. So when somebody else is challenging it or becoming negative about it or kidding around with it or, or berating you or judging you because of it, all of a sudden it becomes a very, very personal attack, which can cause some serious divisions. And people have lost and won friendships, family members, and otherwise because of religion. Now, politics is is right behind there because, once again, the basis of the people that you believe in politically is what their um, personal stance is or what their beliefs are themselves. So if they believe in abortion or they believe in, I don't know, I'm trying to think of other issues, uh, foreign policy, immigration laws, then if if you're on the other side of that fence or vice versa, once again, I've seen people lose friends, lose family members, and it's become, especially with this current administration, it's divided the nation in a way that that hasn't been in in a while. I mean, there's always been division between the two parties, the two primary parties anyway, but this has become a very, very, very um, like heated sort of thing where it's it's all or nothing almost. There's really no middle ground for it. And so this album um, is very much anti-current administration, 
but there are a couple of songs on there, like the last one that kind of are hopeful anthems to say, you know, we need to bridge the gap between this negativity, this wall, this separation, this uh, dividing line that's putting, you know, almost like the North and South against each other before it turns into something that we all will regret, 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 or you can't take back. And I know it's caused a lot of, uh, you know, friends that I know of to separate from people that they've been with, loved, lived with, been friends with, whatever, for many, many, many years. And it pains me to see that because you, you can get away without talking about it, but there's a way that if you want to talk about religion or you want to talk about politics, to do it in such a way that's respecting the other person's beliefs, respecting the other person's, um, you know, core values and, and their, um, everyday kind of way that they're live, choosing to live their lives. I mean, you have to come at it with that sense of seriousness and that sense of give and take in order to sustain that relationship. If you come at somebody hard, like you're going to, you know, try and shoot them down if they're not going to listen to what you have to say, then you're just ultimately shooting yourself in the foot. And it's, it's unfortunate. And I know that myself, I mean, granted, I'm not exactly like completely like under the radar as far as kind of how I stand on, on certain things. But at the same time, I try to keep the majority of that out of, um, general view. And I kind of keep that to myself because, uh, why, why stir the pot? Why cause that rift? Why do anything that's going to jeopardize the friendships and relationships that you have? If somebody wants to vote one way or the other, that's their right as an American citizen or their right as whatever citizen of the country they're from. Same thing with religion. If they want to go to church every Sunday, more power to them. But if they want to go only on holidays or they don't want to go at all, again, more power to them. That's their choice. That's their right. That's their freedom to decide. And that's what makes this country so great is that we have that right to choose. We have that freedom of election. We have that democracy. And other countries don't have that. And they look to us to kind of set the standard. And this particular election, I think, caused kind of a big smudge on our record because not because of who's in office necessarily, but because of how it caused us to all kind of turn against each other. And it's unfortunate because I mean, at the end of the day, no matter who's in office, there is checks and balances in place to try and protect the certain basic ground rules of everyday society from being dictated by one person. We're not led by a dictator who is in power forever and can kind of do what they want when they want. And their word is, is the be all end all. That's the law. There are, you know, other parties, other things that factor into it that can kind of keep things at a certain level and at a certain checkpoint. Now we're finding with this administration that sometimes those things can kind of be bent or, or that uh, there are other things that can be done to work around that system. But at the same time, there are still not the sweeping changes that people were expecting. And um, I don't know enough about it. And I'm trying to steer clear of getting too specific because it's, you know, we can't change everything, but if you feel strongly enough about it and you want to change what's happening or you want to be 
a force for, you know, or a voice in the, you know, against the tide of, of what's currently going on in Washington, then more power to you. I fully support that and vice versa. If the people that are on the other side of that want to be uh, just as loud and just as upfront and get their voices heard, again, more power to you. That's the joy of living in this country is you have that ability to do those things. And I feel like I'm completely botching this entire episode. I am way out of sorts, having trouble talking, focusing, concentrating, getting any thoughts out. And I'm worried that this is going to be just another uh, crap episode with great music. And I apologize. It's just, as we'll talk about later, just the wrong week, I guess, to probably try and take this on with um, all the things that have happened in my life. So uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into the next song because I need to take a break, catch my breath, and see if I can regroup. So uh, the next song is called You're Breaking My Heart. And uh, when we come back, we got more to talk about. So here we go.
All right. And we're back. That was your Breaking My Heart by Juliana Hatfield off of Pussycat. And I don't know if I caught my breath, but um, trying to do some laundry. Uh, I got other things around the house I should really be doing, but I felt like I needed to get an episode out and I didn't want to let another three week chunk of time go by. So here we are talking into a microphone, spreading a little love and uh, getting some good music out there that is the primary focus of the show as always to get some good music out to your ears that you can check out, hopefully enjoy and possibly purchase the album uh, that we're featuring this week. So anyway, (laughs) on a weird, ironic twist, one of the things that uh, had kind of come up earlier in the week, um, actually at the end of last week, when I was kind of going through the archives, because I've saved everything I've ever done in the podcast world, whether it's guest appearances or shows that I've been involved in, any of the episodes that I was on, um, I have copies of. And I keep those as kind of a, uh, uh, a record of everything I've done up to this point in, in podcasting. And I've been podcasting since about 2006. And so, you know, 11 years deep, there's a lot of uh, content out there. And why anybody would want to delve into all of the content I've released over the past 11 years, I don't know. But what I realized when I kind of took stock of, of all the episodes that are out there that I was a part of, whether it's you know this show or my snack or the awful show, uh, Undercover Unitards, the Coffin Joe cast, um, 40 Going On 14, uh, obviously Oblivious. I was on, um, uh, trying to think of some of the other shows I was on, but I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. But when I tallied it all up, did the math, added it up, figured it out, 1,100 episodes, roughly, just shy of 1,100 episodes, are where I'm at at this point. So you figure in 11 years, 1,100 episodes, that's a lot of content for any one person to have to have um, put their time and energy and effort into. Is it all good content? Eh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think there's a lot of it that has positive things going on um, with my snacks and with this show you know the music like I said is always the, the forefront focal point so for that I'd say absolutely yes it's it's been something that's positive the awful show very proud of everything that we did on that show uh, undercover unitards proud of everything that we did on that show uh, 40 going on 14 which is ongoing along with the coffin Joe cast I'm always happy at the end of the week and no matter how good bad or indifferent the week has been, those shows um, give me an, a couple of hours of respite from everyday life. And for that, it's it's just as important to me as, as anything. Whether the content turns out to be good or not, it gave me a chance to spend some time with some friends and just relax and talk and have a good time. And, and for that, if you're getting something out of it that you enjoy, then it adds that much more of a level of satisfaction for doing it. So the other reason that I've talked about in the past that I kind of continue to do this, even when sometimes it takes more time than I have in a, in a, in a day or a week, or, you know, the prep time kind of eats into my everyday life and everything about it kind of, um, takes up time that I could be doing other things. It's what I'm passionate about. And it's about leaving a legacy behind and a legacy. I don't mean like I'm some sort of great individual, but just something leaving behind for, my kids, you know, if they want to go back and listen to the journey that I've spent um, in the past 11 years, it's all documented. It's all down. It's all 
and audio recordings that are available through various sites on the internet, as well as tacked into my laptop here um, in hard copy format for you know perusal at any given time. Now, whether they'll ever do that, I kind of doubt, but it's there. You know, it's it's a, a history of everything in my life, and and the things that I don't even remember. I could probably go back and listen to those episodes and be like, oh my God, I don't remember that happened. Um, and so for that, it's it's also a chronological um, time frame for something for me to go back and, and listen to. So, you know, it's it's been a really great journey and I look forward to continuing it. It's something that I love doing and uh, I think it's kind of incredible that anybody even pays attention to it. But at the same time, I'm thankful that I have it and that there are people that care and that want to, you know, partake in, in what I do and that they'll allow me to share in what they do. And I, I hope that, uh, it continues because it's a format that is kind of the wave of the future. And I was there kind of at the ground floor and I got lucky. I uh, got lucky that I was chosen by, uh, Mike and Matt and even keys to take on and be a part of what they had created So thank you, everybody, for 1,100 episodes, and uh, here's to 1,100 more. So let's go ahead and jump into the next song. It's called When You're a Star by Julianna Hatfield off of Pussycat. And when we come back, we got one more thing to talk about. So we'll see you in just a few. Sorry, uh, When You're a Star by Juliana Hatfield. And I took a break 
um, switched the laundry, sat here for a minute, watched a couple of uh, live performances by Julian Hatfield and posted uh, one of her new songs. She made a kind of a homemade music video for it, and I, I just posted that on Facebook. So I just took a minute to kind of regroup, reassess, and uh, I, I don't know, the past few weeks have been... Uh, difficult to say the least and it's been hard to kind of focus on doing this so I apologize I I will at some point get back to form to where the episodes will be um, more to the quality and the standard that I'd like them to be and I say that a lot but I don't know I'm the biggest self-deprecating host as I've said before and that's not any big surprise. Those of you who are still listening, who've been with me as long as you have, those new listeners may not be as familiar with that. But again, the music is the primary focus. And as long as that's something good and something you're enjoying, then it makes me happy. And I will continue to do so moving forward. So um, talked about this last night on the Coffin Joe cast, um, posted about it on Facebook and have spent um, the past several days now kind of trying to collect my thoughts as a whole in regards to um, something that we've talked about on the show repeatedly and has been a constant kind of thing that's been shared uh, all over the interwebs and interpersonally with friends and family. And it's been, um, it's been a ride to say the least and, and not, not a, not a good ride. So as you all know, about two years ago, I adopted a six-year-old, roughly, Bassett named Tucker. And I already had Lucy, and she was two at the time. She is now, you know, four almost. And, um, well, she'll be four in November, I guess. And uh, um, for the moment I got Tucker, he was special. Uh, He was a dog that had been found wandering the streets in in or around near Dwight, Illinois. He was uh, wandering with a female dog named Jesse or Jess who was pregnant. And they determined that uh, Tucker was the dad and Jess was a mom, of course. Shortly thereafter, uh, she had six puppies and those six puppies were happy and healthy and uh, just adorable. They, uh, I believe, referred to them as the Happy Days Pups. They were very, very quickly adopted. And Tucker, who um, had some pretty severe allergy issues um, to the point where he had scratched the fur off his face, was on some uh, new allergy medication that was supposed to help and had some pretty major scarring on his face from uh, all of the itching that he had done. Um, And it was mostly on his face. I mean, there were some some other areas that it was affecting, but primarily it was his face. So he looked pretty rough. Well... During the course of his stay with his foster folks, where they were trying to get him to a better spot where they could get him adopted, um, he ended up getting uh, bloat because he had a, a, a rather <laughs> severe issue with food, meaning that if there was food and he had the opportunity to eat it, he would eat it all as quickly as possible. And for a dog, um, eating food as quickly as possible is not a good thing, nor as it is with humans. But um, So he had to get a slow feed bowl. Uh, they had to rush him in for emergency surgery. He had his stomach tacked and um, from there on out had to be pretty heavily monitored as far as eating was concerned to make sure that he wasn't eating too fast and thus causing that to happen again. So they got him back to a better place. Again, during the course of that time, he um, 
was the kind of spokesperson for the annual auction that they have at the Guardian Angel Bassett Rescue where I got him from. There's a, uh, a wonderful picture of him with a top hat on that uh, I've since collected. And I've been collecting a lot of uh, the photos that I took over the past two years, as well as uh, reaching out to the rescue, which I've been in constant contact with since I got him because he was kind of this special rescue that um, was kind of famous around that circle. So I uh, reached out to them and asked them if there was any of the pictures that they had, if they could forward them to me, because I thought I'd had them saved in my hard drive somewhere and I, I just can't find them. So uh, since he has since been adopted and those pictures have kind of gone by the wayside from the site, I didn't think to check the Facebook page for uh, Guardian Angel Bassett Rescue, but they were on there. And uh, one of the, the main people there who's um, a friend of mine now, she forwarded me the links to the pages um, and I downloaded the pictures and kind of started collecting things. Well, um, after I got him and brought him home, the first thing I did was uh, do some trial and error with some food until we found a, a hyperallergenic food, uh, got him off of the medication he was on because it was number one, incredibly expensive and number two, not doing anything for him, uh, worked with a, 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 well, kind of new vet to me at the time who um, got him onto some other medication along with fish oil and Benadryl and um, got his his um, allergies under control to a point where he itched every like couple of days. Maybe he might itch a little, but, you know, usually you could kind of say, hey, you know, whatever, distract him and he would stop. But his fur grew back. He had a full coat. Again, his face healed quite a bit. He still had scarring under his muzzle and you could see it if you were up close, but the fur covered most of it. And he was a tricolor. So, you know, from his neck down was this black and white and a little bit of red, but his head was just a beautiful red color. And um, once his fur grew back, it just, it was, he was just a beautiful dog. So Tucker was unique. He, um, if you, if you wanted your attention, the way he got it, some dogs will put their paw on you. Some dogs will just kind of come up and force their way onto your lap like Lucy does. Some of them will, um, uh, you know, kind of be leaners. Tucker's method was to come up and push his head against you like a rhinoceros. He would, he wasn't like, he wouldn't like charge you. He would just like come over, kind of saunter over and then put his head against your leg and just kind of push. And it, it, you know, it was his way of saying, Hey, pay attention to me. And because, uh, you know, very quickly on, he kind of went from being kind of hyper and even counter surfing. Um, actually the very first thing he did when he came in the house was there's the fish tank. And at the time there was more fish in it than there are now. And he saw them and immediately jumped up and tried to say hello. Well, he almost knocked the whole thing over, but over the course of the next year, he kind of mellowed a little bit and wasn't nearly as, as rambunctious. Um, couldn't really get up on the couch on his own after a while. And so had a set of stairs that I'd gotten. Um, and so he used those to get up on the couch. And if he wanted to sit next to you, then you'd either have to be on the couch where he was or have to go over to wherever it was or put the stairs where you were sitting. So um, for the next year and a half or so, things were pretty good. Uh, once he was back onto a good diet and was, um, you know, using a slow feed bowl and on the medication, he he really came out into his own and I think finally was feeling like, a, you know, a normal, happy, healthy Basset Down. About six months ago, and this is where the rest of the community kind of gets to know Tucker better, 
there was a a spot on his foot and it, it was a tumor. But at the time, I wasn't quite sure what it was. It just was a growth. So I took him into the vet. They looked at it and they said, you know, we'll try a few things, see if we can treat it conservatively, you know, with um, antibiotics and prednisone and uh, topical stuff and just kind of see if we can get it to shrink. Well, over the course of the next couple of weeks, nothing changed. And we decided, you know, we better get him some surgery. So went in for a surgery, uh, had the tumor removed successfully and uh, was bandaged up. This was just right before winter was coming. So, uh, you know, the idea was you have to keep his his uh, bandage dry because it's, you know, it's a it's an ace bandage basically that's wrapped and there wasn't any way to keep it from getting wet. Luckily, you know, there wasn't a lot of rain or bad weather at that time. So it was it was not a big deal. But um, because it had to be bandaged all the time, uh, there was about two weeks where it was bandaged. And of course, you know, he's already on the uh, the medications, which are slowing down his healing as it is um, due to his allergies that, you know, keeping it in a bandage was keeping it moist. So it wasn't really healing. Well, the vet decided that it, we should probably get the bandage off, give it a chance to breathe and, and start to scab and heal and, and get him back to, to normal. Well, it kind of backfired and his foot split open and um, Tucker was never a, a complainer. He didn't whine. He didn't cry. He didn't, if he was hurt, he didn't let you know that he was hurt other than, you know, his attitude changed and he kind of was, you know, you could tell that he wasn't feeling well. So took him back in. The decision was made that we needed to go back in and remove some additional scar tissue and get some fresh, um, you know, tissue to start the healing process again and, and come at it again from another way and try and get him to get healed. Well, at this point, winter is upon us. It's starting to snow periodically, and it was harder to kind of keep his foot dry when he was outside. Well, surgery was successful, uh, was on the road to recovery, foot healed, and eventually bandages were off, foot was back to normal. Looked a little, you know, funny because there was a big chunk of a tumor removed, but for the most part, he was uh, he was back to his old self. And over the course of that, lost a little bit of weight, but nothing crazy. So went back to regular routine. And uh, about two weeks later, my daughter noticed uh, there were some lumps kind of on his on his hindquarters. Well, um, upon further inspection, noticed that there were more lumps that were on his underside and some uh, on his head and, and neck area. So um, kind of watched them a little bit for a couple of days. They seemed to be kind of gathering more steam. So made a vet appointment, took him back in, and uh, they did a biopsy and determined that he had a uh, cutaneous lymphoma. At this point, you know, the realization kind of hits you that no matter what you do, this lymphoma eventually is going to overtake and spread and there's nothing you can do. So we made the decision that, um, you know, chemotherapy was really the best option to try and uh, subdue the lymphoma kind of keep it to the outer layer of his skin, keep it from spreading and give him nine to, I think it's a nine to 12 months of additional lifespan. So at this point, you know, he's, uh, and I, I've said his age incorrectly before. And I, I guess because I don't ever think of them as aging, I always think of them as the age they were when I got him. So at this point he's about seven and a half. Um, and if I'm, if I'm remembering this correctly, it's so hard. It's been such a just crazy time. I just, I, Anyway, he'd grown older and slowed down. And so um, we started the chemotherapy 
first round was um, seeming to be going okay. Nothing, no major side effects or anything. Um, and so then when it came time for the second round, went back in, did the blood tests. Everything looked great. We vet was confident things were working well. We were happy with the progress. And uh, he was taking some immuno drugs that were designed to, you know, keep his liver functioning well and to keep, you know, everything in balance. Since the chemotherapy throws your immune system drastically off, you're more susceptible to, um, you know, problems. And the vet had warned me that with the um, the bumps on his body, that more than likely they were going to be kind of itchy. And with his history of, of allergies, he was probably going to end up um, getting some of them to open up and could cause infections to uh, be a, a big health issue. And so to monitor that um, and to keep him on the, the immunos- immuno drugs to kind of keep his immune system thriving so he was able to fight off those infections. Well, um, after the second round of chemo, uh, at this point, you know, we're several months into things, things kind of were taking a turn because with these open sores, he got a pretty nasty infection, which... Um, we put him on antibiotics immediately. He uh, seemed to be doing pretty well. Um, it seemed like, you know, the 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 uh, uh, medicines are working, starting to feel a little better. He, um, you know, was doing all right. But at, at one point he stopped eating. And it was probably five days before, you know, he was able to eat again. Well, the infection that he had seemed to be coming back. Um, and at, during the course of that whole process... The vet had put him on some stronger antibiotics and told him, you know, we can't continue with the chemotherapy right now because his levels are too far off and that's going to make things worse. So, um, you know, he was eating again, but during the course of that second round of antibiotics, um, just a couple days shy of when he was completing it, which was a longer run and a stronger dose, he stopped eating again. And um, it seemed like the infections were getting better, but... At the same time, it was hard to tell because when he stopped eating again, you couldn't tell if it was another infection or or what it was. And the sores that were open, some of them were were getting, you know, were pretty large. And no matter whether he had the cone on his head or not, he could still reach certain areas and and pick at them when he was, you know, either by himself or uh, when we were asleep. So, um it, it, it was it was scary because you know then he stops eating again, and he he just didn't want to eat anything. And previously when he'd stopped, um, when my mom had come up to visit, he had shown some interest in uh, some Vietnamese egg rolls that she brought, which were my favorite as a kid that she would make. And so I was more than happy to share as many as I could to get him back to getting an appetite again, and it helped to give him his pills. Um, because it was, you know, there wasn't an argument. He would just eat the egg roll with the pill inside and he was happy. So this time he didn't want the egg rolls. He didn't want anything. I tried everything that I had in the pantry, everything I had in the fridge. I even made things in the freezer. I, you know, I, I, I tried anything and everything. Nothing made him interested at all about eating. And the couple of things that I could hand feed him that he did put in his mouth um, seeming like he was going to eat it, he would chew and then spit right back out. So I'm starting to get concerned um, because he's drinking, but he's losing strength and he doesn't want to 
go in or out um, unless I carry him. He won't. He just physically can't. Um, and he's lost quite a bit of weight, it seems like. And and so I, I took him into the vet on Tuesday morning this week. Well, last week now. The vet did a full exam. I mean, did complete workup, lab work, exam. You know, checked him over several times, and said that. You know it was time to really kind of think about what to do next because he'd lost about four and a half pounds. He, uh, had been losing his fur pretty massively on his back. Um, every time I gave him a bath, it, it more and more came off. And even when I wasn't, if you, you know, pet him across his back, you were going to get a handful of fur. And it was, it was not just that the fur was falling out like, like chemotherapy does to humans, which typically doesn't happen in dogs there were chunks of skin that were coming off with it, which was causing more scabbing. So you had to be very careful um, when you pet him, plus all of the the uh, outer sores or the bumps that he had were you know, now becoming um, sores, whether he messed with them or not, and he would kind of rub himself on the ground. And so, I mean, they were just completely covering his body at this point, even in, under his eyes his ears, his head, his back, his underside, everywhere. Um, and, you know, I, we had a very long talk. I mean, I sat, I was at the vet and and spent at least a half an hour with him talking about the realities of, of what the options were. And I didn't want to give up. Um, if he wasn't going to give up, I wasn't going to give up. And I'm talking about Tucker, not the vet. Uh, and so after talking and talking and talking and um watching you know tucker kind of interact and and just do what he's doing i made the decision that i wanted to try one more round of antibiotics uh because he'd run out of his other ones and i just it felt like it was the infection that was the problem and it wasn't the lymphoma now during the course of the exam the vet said that his liver was enlarged was concerned that um you know perhaps there was something else going on that was causing it, but he didn't feel like it was the lymphoma that had spread. So I, and I'm sorry about that. The USB keeps popping out. So decided to give him this injectable antibiotic. That's uh, significantly more expensive than regular antibiotics. It's an injection, but it lasts for two weeks. And since he wasn't eating, um, it would give him a way to at least get it into a system. And then the, the hope was, is that if it would start to take effect, he would feel better and want to eat again and we could start over and get him back to where we could go with round three of, of the chemotherapy. So um, on the way home, the windows were down a little bit and he hadn't, he laid down the entire way there, but on the way back, he sat up in the seat in the front seat. Cause I always sat next to me in the front seat, sat up, um, was looking out the window, was sniffing the air and just looked really proud and like he was feeling better and, and just really happy and just seemed like him, his old self. I mean, granted, he looked like he'd been through a war, but he was the Tucker that, you know, I brought home almost two years ago. So I, I felt good. I felt like, you know, maybe the antibiotics are already taking effect and maybe this is what the answer was. And I, I made the right choice because I wasn't going to be the one to make that decision unless he told me that that's what he was ready to do. And it didn't feel like he was ready to go yet. So brought him home. 
and gave him a bath because the vet said you need to start bathing him on a daily basis to loosen up the scabbing and the sores and to clean out the areas that are infected and let the antibiotics do the rest. And so I did. I gave him a bath. He lost more hair. Um, you know, he was not happy with me, but, you know, of course, he was never a complainer, always happy to please, always wanted to be whatever you needed him to be. So after I completely dried him off, came out, you know, he didn't want to eat still, but um, he proceeded to climb up the stairs onto the couch and laid down and seemed very content. And uh, he did it by himself. So it was kind of like, wow, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe things are what they are. Maybe they are really doing what I thought they were. And the next morning, same thing. He, I had to carry him outside to go to the bathroom, but when he came back in, he crawled up on the couch and laid down and was content to lay there until it was time to go to work and school. So, um, he was crate trained as is Lucy. And so he, you know, always goes in his crate and we leave just like she does. And so went into his crate and laid down to go to sleep. We left, uh, to go to work and school. And so the kids didn't come home until just about six o'clock. I got off work at six and, uh, kids came home and, you know, once they let themselves in, they, um, uh, went over to let him out. He came out of his kennel. He wagged his tail, was happy to see him, and just laid down on the floor in front of his kennel, didn't want to go out, which wasn't unusual right then. He, he had a hard time, so he would only go out if he really had to. And uh, they proceeded to make themselves some dinner, sat down and ate, and then realized after they had finished eating that he hadn't moved from the spot where he was in, and he wasn't moving. Um, Juliana then realized that he had stopped breathing, and I'm on a phone call at this point at work and I start seeing these text messages pop up one after the other on my phone. And I can't look at my phone when I'm on a call when I'm at work because, you know, I'm, that's my job. So I, I finally saw the last message was, you know, her begging me to answer. And so I immediately read the string of messages that had come through and, you know, she was completely frantic that he had stopped breathing and she didn't know what to do and, and that I needed to respond. And, and so I immediately told her I was leaving. I was on my way home. I shut everything down. I ran out the door, sped home as quickly as I could. And when I got home, I found him laying on the floor in front of his kennel, just lifeless. And I started talking to him, which in and of itself seems kind of redundant, but you know, I just was talking to him and I went and got a, a blanket from the, uh, the hall closet and I wrapped him in the blanket and I carried him out to the car. And once I, I, I left him in the car, I came back in and I, I cleaned everything up and went to talk to the kids to make sure they were okay. And they were of course beside themselves and they told me what had happened and uh, Juliana felt responsible that because she wasn't paying attention, that it was somehow her fault. And I explained to her that no matter what she did, it, it wasn't going to change anything. There's nothing she could have done that would have changed what happened. He decided that it was his time to go. He did it on his terms. He waited until they came home so he could say goodbye. And then he just let go. 
And as hard as it was on them and, and me, and I'm sure as hard as it was on him, it, it still was the right choice because if I had made that decision the day before, I just, I don't think it was the right decision. And I don't know whether he made it because he knew I couldn't or whether he just literally just realized that, that there wasn't any more point for him to go on. He, he had done what he wanted to do. He'd lived his life and he was ready to to just move on. And even though I only had him for two years, he made a huge impression and not just on me, but on, on everyone that he met. And he left behind a legacy of six puppies that are going to grow up and, and carry on his legacy. And, uh, just the outpouring on the Bassett page that I'm on, uh, the outpouring on the, my regular Facebook page, my friends, my family, everybody that's responded and written to me and showed their support. I just, I can't get over how amazing that is. And I, I just want to thank everyone for everything you did from the time when this all started six months ago until now. And for those of you who were there from day one, back when I first got him. I miss him. It's just left a huge hole in the house. And I, I, I wish that I had been able to say goodbye properly, but I, I didn't, I won't. And I, I, I mean, there's nothing I can do about that now, but I did the absolute best I could. I did everything I could. And some things you just can't change. So. I miss him. All right, let's get into the next song um, and close out the show. Uh, This is Sunny Somewhere by Juliana Hatfield. And uh, we'll be back in just a few.
All right, and we are back. Uh, that was Sunny Somewhere by Juliana Hatfield. Excuse <clears throat> me. And thank you for listening to episode 207 of the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour. If you'd like to find me, you can find me on Facebook.com. Just look up the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour. You can also shoot me an email at joelhappypants at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at joelhappypants. This show is available every other week through uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, uh, Podcast Collective, Pod Directory, and Google Podcasts. Also check out 40 Going on 14 at 40go14.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Blueberry, streaming Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio, as well as on Google Podcasts and PodcastCollective.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just look up uh, 40 Going on 14. Send us an email at 40 14 at gmail.com or a voicemail at 708. Now wrap that 708-669-9727. Um, the Creeper or Coffin Joe cast you can find that on iTunes, TalkShoe, Stitcher, Podcast Collective, and Pod Google Podcast. I don't know. <laughs> on various sites. Uh, send us an email at coffinjoecast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook or voicemail 661-434-5956 at 661 KWJO. Uh, also check out the CreeperCast if you are a horror fan. Go there and uh, check out the daily updates at creepercast01.blogspot.com. All the music tonight was provided to us by the artists themselves. If you like what you hear, purchase it directly from the artist or American Laundromat Records. Or if you are in uh, have a local record store that you pr- frequent, uh, go there to pick it up. If you're in Oak Park, Illinois on Harrison Avenue, stop by Val's Hella Records and let her know that uh, Joel sent you. Um, check out uh, my blog at a momentary lapse with joel.blogspot.com that's the first place it's updated when this show is available and uh my defunct comic strip gregory the really angry robot you can find that on um facebook just up gregory the really angry robot so uh the last song after the outro is uh, the last room, last song we're going to hear off of julian hatfield's new album pussycat it's called rhinoceros and um i guess just uh i've said this many times over I can't stress it enough, but make sure you tell the people that you love that you love them because you never know when that's the last opportunity you're going to get. So love you guys. See you in two weeks. I love you. I love you, too. I've never been in love with anybody before, either. It's great. I am glad. (laughs) But the timing stinks. I gotta go. Thank you.
step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.